Amen. Well, and if you have a birthday today, we wish you a happy birthday. Sometimes we miss those. And, uh, you know, personally, thank you for the expressions uh, that were uh, sent our way as I celebrated my uh, last year of, uh, of a decade. And uh, I'm not, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but anyhow, I thank you. And we are very, very blessed to be here with you. And... Um, so this morning, as we, we look to the scriptures, I would like to welcome all of our guests. It's good to see uh, this morning uh, Cindy's sister and her husband all the way from uh, the holy land of Springfield, Missouri. It's great to have them with us. Welcome to you. And uh, who else is, uh, Robin, did you say? Oh, yes, the Renshaw is sitting right here for us, mom and dad. And you know, we have somewhat of a, a, there's a little bit of a connection there because they, they live in the, I think you still do, right? You live in the, in the, my, the town that I was born in, and that's uh, Clinton, North Carolina. And they, they actually, I think you may have known my uncle. I, ho- I don't know the good side of him. Uh, my mom's brother and her and his wife, Alice. And so it's great to have you here today. And uh, we welcome you. And I, I got to tell you, you we, we love Forrest. He's another one of those beautiful uh, young men that we hold in such high regard. And I'm sure that his uh, precious wife is a, a, a great influence on him. He behaves well. And uh, so we appreciate them and love them. What a blessing they are uh, to us. And uh, we thank God for it. And um, this morning, I want to continue. Uh, we're doing a series entitled Meet the Holy Spirit, and as Pentecost Sunday, you know, approaches, uh, I'd like to uh, think a little bit about this with you. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not uh, leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise my father, uh, wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And uh, so, as we get ready to go on, I just want to acknowledge, too, we had a great wedding here yesterday to see, uh, you know, our our precious Amy joined in marriage, right? How many, that was a day of celebration, right? And uh, John and Amy are newlyweds, and, uh, you know, I'm not sure what, what they're up to today. Uh, but they're not, I'm just kidding, they're not here. They're on their, are they on their honeymoon? Kind of. Okay, well, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm just being ornery. Everybody does their thing, their honeymoon trips and all that kind of thing. Anyhow, you know, as we look at this, uh, this thing, I'd like to begin by saying that, you know, Christianity is a proof movement. Uh, it's a proof of life movement. Now, this I'm going to get back to this in a second. I just want to introduce some thought here. You know, as we consider the, what Jesus did, it says all that Jesus began uh, both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after through the Holy Spirit uh, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen It says, to whom he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining uh, to the kingdom of God. 
You know, uh, this is a proof-of-life movement. The church is a proof-of-life movement. You know, Jesus, he started this movement, uh, and when he had been raised up and resurrected, uh, I love that scripture when it says that he presented himself alive. You know, church, if we're going to make any difference in this world, we've got to do the same. We've got to present to the world something that's alive and healthy, well, You know, the devil will always say that there's no hope for the church, there's no hope for you, uh, but we understand together uh, that that's not true because, you know, Jesus has led the way for us into life, and if we follow him, you know, we're in a pretty good place. We're never positioned in a place of disadvantage when we're with the Lord, right? You know that. No matter what the circumstances might be, we are never positioned in a place of disadvantage when we are with Jesus. You know, David was not in a place of disadvantage when he stood before Goliath. And, uh, you know, uh, Joshua, as they marched outside the, the fortified walls of Jericho, they were not in a place of disadvantage, you know. And we need to understand that the church is not in a place of disadvantage because we've been given power. How many believe that it's important for the church to give proof of life and to live in love and power? You know, we are a powerful movement. You know, the the one thing that the devil would want you to believe about you is that you can't affect and impact anything. That's a lie. And the only reason he tells you that is because he knows you can And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you realize that there's this internal witness that says, yes, I can. How many of you have the Holy Spirit within you? You know, we're going to talk about the distinctions. When you are born again, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within your heart. And we're told in Romans, I believe, chapter 8, that the Spirit himself then bears witness with our spirit that we have become the children of God. You know, do you have that witness in your heart today? And I want to tell you, God has, a, has an experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit where there is that subsequent and distinct and separate gift that God wants to bestow upon all of us. And that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about that experience. Now, there are people today that think that they need to rethink this whole thing and reinvent Pentecost. And there's no need to reinvent it. We need to return to what the Word says about it. You know, some would say, well, it's not the same today. Jesus is still the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, God is still moving. You know, the, one of the things is people say, I don't believe in praying for the sick because God doesn't do that anymore. Why would we choose to buy into that kind of thinking? That weak, feckless, I'm not sure. I saw that word. I wanted to use it. Can you see what it means? So I know if I swore. And... Uh, this weak, feckless uh, uh, stuff that's peddled. You know, I got to tell you, uh, as a Holy Ghost Christian and as a Spirit-filled body, we're not looking to imitate other models. We are here to experience God, to welcome Him, to host what the Holy Spirit wants to release into this house, into each life. And you know, you are not merely a replication of someone else's experience. God desires for you to have your own experience, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we really need to return to that, being prayerful with people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
You say, we don't do that. We, you know, I got to tell you, there, there, there are a lot of places that forbade, you know, any of the, the, the giftings to be in operation. And sometimes when they're out of order, it's not, not appropriate. But there are times when God interrupts our agendas with his. Because we're predictable and we think small. And God wants to show us that he is sovereign, in control, and he'll take us far beyond our small thinking. How many of you would like to have your socks blown off if you were wearing any? You say, man, that was so powerful to be together in the presence of the Lord. Lord, that the Spirit of God descended so powerfully upon the house and, and God was doing things that went far beyond our understanding. Just because we don't understand it doesn't mean God can't do it, right? You say, well, I got God figured out and God doesn't do this and God doesn't do that. How many know you don't have God figured out yet? Because when we figure out God from beginning to end, then we, we've done something that, uh, well, you know what I'm saying. But anyhow, proof is powerful. The world is dying. And let's make no mistake about this. The world is dying. It is withering beneath the weight of sin and, 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 de, and, and depravity and darkness. It's in moral decay. Let's understand that. Be perfectly clear. The world around us is in moral decay. It is free-falling. And as you see these things unfolding, it's not a day for us to live in despair. I think it is important that we have a, a spirit of mourning for those who are being destroyed and decimated, but we are, are empowered to be a witness of love and life and, and I believe that God wants to reawaken the church, Pastor Rick, all of us, to the fact that the word can be preached with signs following. Oh, well, we don't, we don't do it that way anymore. If we're not doing it that way anymore, that's a problem. That means we're, we're, we're regressing. We're, we're trying to become something else other than what the scriptural model provides. In over 70 instances in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is referenced. So that would tell me that upon the birthing of the New Testament church and the days that followed, the Holy Spirit was not a secondary guest. He was a primary mover. You understand that, right? He wasn't secondary. He wasn't invited on occasion. You know, even when they had business meetings, they walked out saying it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us, Acts 15, 28. We need to have that sense today. Not that it seemed right to me, but it's right in alignment with the Scriptures and it's right in alignment with the Holy Spirit's counsel. The world is dying, and uh, it's being strung along by bogus claims, professing and, uh, 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 and yet not possessing any real proof of life. The church cannot be one of those. We cannot be one of those who profess to possess something when we offer nothing. Church, we can't be that. We can't blend into the fabric of the world and, and just say, hey, it's okay, Jesus and me, we're good, and that's all that really matters. You know, God wants the whole world to be infected with the love of Christ. Amen? How many contagious Christians are in the room today? If the Holy Spirit is in your heart, he's going to make you a contagious Christian. 
He's going to make you an effectual believer. Your witness is going to be powerful. You understand, that's not a token phrase in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power. Come on now. Jesus said it. You say, well, we got to rethink that. We don't have to rethink anything. We just need to read it and surrender to it. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. If it weren't important, Jesus would not have told the people, his, his disciples and followers, don't leave Jerusalem, but you wait there for the promise of the Father, which will be sent to you. You understand, think about this for a moment, that those who followed Jesus saw the resurrected Christ in person. They saw him, they touched him, they, they listened to him, they were instructed. How many know that in and of itself would probably be a great qualification for ministry? But it wasn't enough. You understand that, so what you know and what you believe, that's great, but it's not enough if it's not being ministered to the world through the Holy Spirit. You know, you would have thought Jesus said, hey, you see me, now I'm here, now get excited, go tell the world I'm alive. He didn't say that. He said, I'm, gonna, I'm leaving, and I don't want you to, to leave here from Jerusalem until you receive the gift of my Father, that Holy Spirit. Because they were going to need that anointing, that, that, that power, that baptism. You understand, if they had not received that, we most likely wouldn't be here today. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who has built His church. You know, you know people think they build God's church. We don't build God's church. You know, the best thing that we often can do for the advancement of the church is to get out of the way. Oh, it's my way. I, you know, I got the, I, nobody cares about that. We want to see God today. We want to experience God. We want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. The body of Christ is a proof movement. You know, if you're, pers well, persecuted for being a believer, that's a compliment. That's hell's compliment to you. You understand that. If you're a Holy Spirit believer walking in the full counsel of God's Word, believing and relying upon Christ and the Holy Spirit, you are going to rub some people the wrong way. In fact, you know, the Bible says that we should be leery when all people speak well of us. Yeah, look out. You know, you say, well, if we're really living for Christ, they're all going to like us. That's absolutely the stupidest thing that I've heard since the last stupidest thing. As Jesus was crucified, he wasn't made man of the year. Those, uh, the disciples who followed Christ, they, they were martyred for their faith. They weren't given a pedestal to stand upon. They weren't celebrated by the masses. And when real revival broke out in Ephesus, it caused an uprising, and there was great persecution that came forward because people were leaving idolatry, and they were getting saved because the Holy Spirit was, was working through the New Testament church. And you know what? It caused a problem because it hurt the economy. It's time that the Holy Spirit believers begin to do damage to the economy of hell. You know, let's stop supporting it, right? 
Let's stop it being entertained by it. Let's stop trying to emulate it. You know, I told Robin I was in an incredibly irritable mood thinking about people in Hollywood today. I said, who do they think they are? They don't speak for me. You know, we put them, oh, you know, uh, you know Ben Affleck, what's her name? Jennifer Love. You know, I couldn't care less. To me, it's absolutely nauseating. You say, well, that's not a loving way to look at it. Okay, they need Jesus. I understand that. But I'm not celebrating. I don't care what they do. I don't care what some out-of-touch celebrity has to say about the sanctity of life. Amen? I don't care what, what, what some, and my wife hates this word, blowhard has to say about the sanctity of marriage. You know, and if you're going to believe these things, you know, you, you see what happens so often is we, we soft step into this stuff because we, we want everyone to think us that we're like the, we subscribe to the cool Jesus who just went around tiptoeing and, and putting daisies in his ear. I don't even know what that meant, but put, he did tiptoed around. You know, Jesus was on a mission to bring truth to people and to love people into the kingdom, yes. But he spoke the truth when he sat with the woman at the well. He said, go home and get your husband. He knew she didn't have a husband. Boy, that had to be an uncomfortable moment. People say Jesus never made people uncomfortable. That's not true. The rich man, he said, hey, uh, give all your stuff away and come follow me. And he knew this man loved his stuff. And yet he said, I want you to follow me. And it says the young man went away disappointed. And, and uh, you know, and Jesus loved him. You know, Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. He didn't say, grab a toy and have a party. You know, we've gotten to the point where we, we've kind of made it designer Christianity. Let's design this thing so that it matches up to what everybody else is doing. I'm going to tell you, you can be where other people are, but you know, the only way you can reach them is through the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important that the Holy, we're full of the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, no one wants to hear us. You start preaching at people and thumping people on the head with our Bibles, and you know there's no proof of life. They're not listening. They're looking for proof of life. Where does that come from? It comes from believers who are filled to overflow with the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Where is He at? He dwells within you. That's not a subtle power. That power conquered death. And it blew open the, the, the grave, right? And it makes a way for you and I to not only have the eternal promise of heaven, but it gives us abundant life right here. How many are living in abundance? And if you are, it's not meant to keep, it's meant to share, because God will replenish. But anyhow, i got to get on with it. The body, uh, the proof is not what we manufacture, but it is, a trans, it is transformational evidence that the resurrection power of Christ within has uh, done an incredible work bringing us forward into life and light. It is the excellence of the Lord, and not of us, 
There's nothing we can claim for our own credit. We don't create the proof of God. His grace transforms the dead mess of my life apart from Christ into the proof of the resurrection for others to see. How many of you today have been raised out of deadness and into life through Jesus Christ? The Bible says that we were dead in our trespass and in our sins. But we've been raised up to walk in newness of life, church. Come on, that's what the world needs. It needs Jesus. I, I've shared this before. There was a group of people that went to uh, see uh, Courageous and on their ride home, you know, their discussion and the one, one believer who there's always somebody who's got this here, you know, like a sanctimonious secular thought. Uh, he says, you know, the problem I have with that movie is there's too much Jesus in it. And, you know, i got to tell you, I suspect that there's some that come to church that that's their thoughts, too. There's too much Jesus in this thing. You know, we've got to be seeker-friendly. We've got to say less about Jesus, less about the Scripture. We can't, uh, we can't lean on the Holy Spirit to speak into lives and bring conviction where needed, convince people of their need for God. Because if anybody feels uncomfortable, God would never do that. I want to tell you, absolute hogwash. And you can wash the hog, but it's still a hog, right? It doesn't matter how many times you wash it, it's a hog. The only thing I think about with hogs is bacon and sausage. Scrapple. That won't get much of a response from some. The absence of resurrection power in my life would wall in my heart from an abundant life in Christ. The resurrected Christ guides us beyond our comfort into the deep places where fruitful ministry is gathered in the nets that are spread far beyond our small view. The resurrection of Christ makes a proof of life statement that I cannot author, but I can provide the canvas upon which the resurrection power of God will. Talk about this baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to move really, really quick. Uh, uh, it's, it's different than the indwelling presence of the Holy Ghost that, uh, when one, that one receives when he or she is born again. How many believe that you have to be born again? You know why you have to? Jesus said it in John 3. You must be born again. He didn't say it would be a good idea. He said, you know, if you want to go to heaven, you've got to be born again. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is separate from and distinct from the experience of the new birth. It's promised to all believers by God the Father, Acts 2, 38 and 39. It's given for the purpose of empowerment and edification. It's not given so that we can show off how spiritual we are, how much we speak in tongues, how much we prophesy, how much we, you know, it's none of that stuff. Paul said, as much as you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the body of Christ. Build others up. Don't, don't show them how spiritual you are. Build, oh, thank you. Hey, uh, I hate inanimate objects that you can't hurt. But uh, you ever have a fly fly into your windshield and they get splattered? I, I say to my, and, and it's all, and I go, I'll get back on. This is where the wheels start spinning and other, but I'm going to come. Uh, you get, you're driving down the road, you get a bug that, that splatters on the windshield, just kind of, and, and I always say to Robin, you know, that, that I just washed this car. I wish that he had time to suffer. 
Because it's instant. They don't know what happened. Gone. It creates more work for me and has no concern about it. I want them to hurt. The Holy Spirit is given for the purpose of empowerment. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon the New Testament church. Believers were gathered together prayerfully in anticipation, and that's important, that we are prayerful, that we uh, gather with others, whom we, uh, wherever it might be, it's in your home, in the church, uh, praying and seeking God for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Believers ardently expected that something tremendous was going to happen. Is the Holy Spirit baptism for today? I'm going to tell you in one word, yes. I mean, and you know, I'm not going to debate that with anybody because I know what I believe, right? I know what I believe. I don't, I'm not going to argue. I don't need to, you know, I'm not going to argue for the sake of you trying to convince me otherwise because it'll never work. Because I know it from the word and I know what God has done in my life. I see what God has done in his church. And I see the deficiencies and the defects that are rising up in the church today that are beyond the normal things that we've seen because, you know, we, we have worked this out and asked the Holy Spirit to sit a little on the side until we do what we need to do. He's got to be moving from A to Z, right? You want God's move in this church, in your life, it's only going to happen when you pray. Why do I have to ask God? He wants to give it to me. Jesus said that we're to ask, to seek, and to knock, right? Well, 1 Corinthians 13. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when, the war, when, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. It says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. And verse 13 says, and now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. I'm encouraging you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If your well is dry, I'm encouraging you to stand in the rain of God's presence and let it fill your well. But I'm going to say this, and so for those of you who may think it's sacrilegious, I value the fruit of the Spirit above the gifts. You say, boy, that's blasphemy. No, it's not. Because if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and I don't have love, I'm nothing. I'm just making a lot of noise. So he's saying you can speak in tongues, but that doesn't mean you love people. You can give everything you have to the poor, and yet if you don't love people, it doesn't mean anything. But it never says that about the fruit of the Spirit, right? It never said, in fact, it says that these, these three remain faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. People say, well, uh, you know, the manifestations of the Spirit are the great evidence of God's presence in His people. And I would say that is true. It is a great evidence of God's presence, but it's not the greatest. Love is the greatest. You know, love is the greatest. When love is the primary feature that people are drawn to in your, to you and into this corporate body, you are where you need to be. 
the love of God. Because the love of God will always flow with the administration and manifestations of the gifts when they are done right. You know, people, oh, I just can't help myself. That's foolishness. People say that. Oh, I can't help myself. I just got to say it. I, I'm going to tell you, that's not true. The Bible says the Spirit is subject to the prophet. Meaning that we do have, there, there is a time, there is a place uh, for these things to happen. There's an order to it. Amen? It's not a free-for-all. Sometimes people think, well, church should just be a, just get in there and just run around, do your thing. No, the Bible says that all things should be done decently and in order. Not restricted by religion, but there is a, an order to things. How many know there is an order to things? Because if there's no order and there's no structure, the things that are happening cannot be supported and growth could not be sustained anyhow. It is the order of God with the spontaneity of his move that, you know, we just have to be ready for. Anyhow, the scriptures compare the eternal nature of the virtues of faith, hope, and love with the temporal nature of the spiritual gifts because it says one day they're gone. But love will never go away. The debate over the passage of that which is perfect has just resounded, and we have movements that are uh, uh, that uh, in denominations that divide on that issue. But you know, uh, I I look at that scripture, and I believe when Jesus comes, then perfect comes. And until that day comes, I believe God wants His Spirit to move in the fashion that it has been placed here to do. Come on, church. Oh, I don't want to do anything wrong. Well, sometimes. If you're teachable, you can do something wrong, and, it's, and God won't throw you out. How many are here because God didn't throw you out when you got it wrong? Oh, I don't want to do this, and I don't want to. You know, I've been corrected a time or two when I grew up in a church, and, you know, I look back to it, and, you know, I think, man, that was probably good because I learned something. You know, there were times, I, I mean, believe it or not, as a teenager, I'd just get up, get up and just do my thing at times. And the pastor lovingly said, hey, there's an order to things. It didn't even occur to me to tell him, well, if I can't do my thing, I'm not coming back. I went home and I thought about what he said. I read his word, read the word of God and allowed it to provide guidance for my my expressions, my, my usage of being used by God. Hold on for a minute. How many give me a couple minutes more? It is, hey, it's only, it's not even 11 o'clock, man. I mean, if I let you out now, you are going to beat the Baptist to the buffet. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. You know, you don't think you're so much spiritual when you walk into the restaurant and the buffet is empty because all the Baptists have eaten it. And you said, and they say, well, why are you so late? Oh, we were in church all day. No, I won't do it all day. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, it says, God who at various times and in various places spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophet, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things through whom he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he himself by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God has released revelation. And the Bible says that he had spoken in previous times by the prophets. And as things move forward, Jesus came. And we've been given the Holy Spirit. 
that by, as we think about this today, the Scriptures are trustworthy and true, and the Holy Spirit works. You know, people say, we don't care about the Bible. We only care about what the Holy Spirit says. Okay, I said this 10 minutes ago. This is the stupidest thing that I've ever heard since the last stupidest thing I've ever heard because the Holy Spirit has authored the Scriptures. He's not going to contradict himself. So for those who say, you know, I mean, I've heard that before. People say, well, we don't care what the Bible says. We're just doing what the Holy Spirit tells us. You just made a big fool out of yourself. Because you just said you don't care what the author of God's inspired word has said. We just want, and you know what that means? That means that, you know what that means. I'm not going there. How many are still with me? Say, Pastor, you always get that, you know, you know I love you to death. I do. One day I'm going to stand before God. Give accounting for my ministry from this pulpit. You're going to give account for what these hear and what this receives. See, my job is to bring the word. Your, your responsibility is to allow God to, to speak whatever he desires through that word into your heart. Amen? Because that's heavy. A pastor can't make you anything. He can't do anything. I mean, you've got to respond to God. As a child grows and moves toward physical and mental maturity, so too a believer grows and moves toward spiritual maturity. Ephesians 4 through 11, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to unity in the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We talk about the fivefold ministry and the Holy Spirit administrates all of these flows throughout the church, you know, uh, as God sees fit. So God gave those ministries for the uh, teaching and equipping of the body of Christ. And so anything that's done is not done for glorification of the vehicle or the vessel, because we're vessels of clay, but it draws us to him and it draws us to one another in a spirit of unity. You know, there's a mirror. There's a, you know, the, the, uh, what do you call it? A mirror is kind of used as an inference point here. And mirrors were a specialty in Corinth, but they were made of polished brass. So the image was dim at best. You know, he talks about we see through a glass dimly. In Corinthians, and you know the mirrors that were made there were not were not were made of polished brass. So when you would look into the mirror, you wouldn't see it. How many know we don't know the whole picture yet? We don't know the whole picture. When we speak, he says we speak in part, meaning we don't have the full understanding of everything. Uh, God, how many know God doesn't tell us everything? He tells us everything that he knows we need to know. Amen? You know, isn't it, it wasn't it like Adam, you know, they would be like gods if they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? You, he knows you're going to be like him. You know, the fallen nature always wants to be God. You say, what do you mean by that? It wants to be God because it wants to rule over the direction and course of things in life without any guidance any direction. What's the difference between the indwelling of the Holy Ghost and the baptism? The moment you get saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart. Amen? Amens will get me to the finish line sooner. Uh, 
It is theologically, that means that you're hearing it, not hearing me, but hearing it. It is theologically and experientially distinguishable and subsequent to the new birth. It is accompanied by speaking in tongues as revealed in Scripture. God doesn't glorify tongues. This isn't about tongues per se, but God gives you a prayer language. When you receive the Holy Spirit, he fills you with a prayer language. How many have ever prayed with your understanding and in the Spirit as well? There are times when you and I don't mentally comprehend what it is, and it's okay because our spirit is being edified and built up. And God is working beyond our understanding. It is distinct in purpose from the Spirit's work of regeneration in the heart and life of a repentant believer. It is significant that the New Testament nowhere equates the expression filled with the Spirit with regeneration. It is always used in connection with persons who are believers already. At the moment of our new birth, the Bible says in Romans 8:15, "For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, "Abba, Father, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if we indeed suffer with him, uh, that we may be also glorified with him. How many will give the word an amen? The scriptures clearly show that the work and presence of the Holy Spirit, without that in our hearts, that no one can be born again or become a Christian. You know, one of the most comprehensive definitions of a Christian is that he is a man or a woman in whom the Spirit of God dwells. When all Christians have a definite work of the Holy Spirit in them upon salvation and in the indwelling of the Spirit at conversion... Pentecostals believe in the bestowal of the Spirit subsequent to salvation that is evidenced by speaking in other tongues and find support uh, in the Lucan writings in Luke or in the book of Acts. Now, again, I want to say this. Um, the important thing, God wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Overflowing. Overflowing. How many have ever been somewhere where something was overflowing? Wow, Russell, you and, you and I. Uh, but God wants you to be overflowing. He doesn't want you to be tempered and measured in how much you receive from God. God wants you to hunger after his heart the way David did. David was a fool to some when he danced in his, uh, you know, his undergarments before the Lord, or naked as some say. I, I'm not sure either way. His or her spirit is renewed by the internal working of the Holy Spirit. It is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that, be, that begins and performs the work of regeneration in the life of the believer. The baptism or the overflow of the Holy Spirit comes when a ba- uh, believer is baptized in the Holy Ghost concerning conversion, following conversion. Tammy, would you come? Uh, it'll give people hope. Okay. Paul at Ephesus, and it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. I don't want anybody in this house to leave Bethel saying, We didn't know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. I don't want anybody to come in here and feel like there's spiritual tumbleweed blowing down the aisles. 
I, want, I pray that this place will be a place of healing. Come on, church. You want this place to be a place of healing? I open my heart, Lord. I want to host whatever it is that you want to release into my life to flow out and through my life. And he says to them, "In uh, what to, then were you baptized? And they said, we were baptized by John. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they they were baptized in the name of Jesus and Paul laid hands on them. And the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began to speak with other tongues, speak with tongues and prophesy. So there was a manifestation that accompanied the, the baptism. You know, when we pray for people to be baptized, I don't pray for people to speak in tongues. I pray for them to be filled because when they, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to coach someone to speak in tongues. On the day of Pentecost, there was no coach standing there saying, okay, say after me, blah, 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 blah. I see somebody do that, I walk away from them. I don't want to hear it. Because I don't need to imitate you. It's good that I can see that you're being used of God, but God wants to, when the Spirit of God moves, you know, how many know on the day of Pentecost they were together in one accord, and then suddenly... Suddenly, can you say that with me? Suddenly, if you say that, it helps me move faster. Suddenly, there came the sound as of a rushing mighty wind that filled the whole house. And there appeared cloven tongues of fire that sat upon each, and they began to speak in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. Now, that initial phenomenon was God introducing what Jesus said was coming. That was the inauguration of what God was introducing. We don't have the, the, the cloven tongues of fire. We don't, we don't see that. All, you know, that, that's not the standard today. It could be if God chooses it to be. But we understand that the Holy Spirit is being poured out upon believers. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. How many know that, you know, that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your prayers are going to go your prayer life's going to go deeper. If you are filled to overflow with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be filled with a boldness. That's what Jesus said. After you have, but you shall be received with, uh, but you shall be with power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You know, the scriptures talk about it 70 times in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit's referenced. And that, that, that experience, baptized in, in the Spirit, Spirit coming on, falling upon, Spirit being poured out, promise of the Father, uh, promise of the Spirit, gift of the Spirit, gift of God, receiving the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, over and over and over again. And the Bible gives us five instances in the book of Acts where the, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Acts 2 in Jerusalem, the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church, 
accompanied with the phenomena that surrounded the initial outpouring, the sound as of a rushing mighty wind, the appearance of fire and the cloven appearances of such above believers. And the believers spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the foreigners who had come in for the, uh, the, the Passover and all that had happened thereafter to the, to the celebration, they heard them, they heard them. They heard them in their language glorifying God and they knew they didn't know these languages. And they, did, they, they, you know, they couldn't figure it out so what they did is they began to mock them and they said they're drunk. I don't care how drunk you get, you are not going to speak with the, with the tongues of angels. You're not going to speak with Holy Spirit tongues. You, you can get filled with goosebumps. I got to tell you, I live most of my life absent goosebumps. But I am filled with the Holy Spirit 24-7, right? You are. If you're filled, I'm filled 24-7. I don't have to feel goosebumps to be plugged in to what the Holy Spirit is doing in that moment. How many know that? There's such a powerful witness inside when something's of God and when something's of the flesh. Samaria. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 through 18. Believers who had believed had laid hands upon them to receive the Holy Spirit. And as they received, there was an evident physical manifestation that Simon desired to have the power to impart as well. Acts chapter 9, Paul's baptism in Damascus. Paul received the baptism in the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands. And later he said, "Uh, I, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. In Acts 10, through 48 in Caesarea, believers received the Holy Ghost as it fell upon them, as, uh, even as Paul spoke, and they were filled, and they spoke with other tongues as uh, uh, God filled them. Acts 19, the Ephesian believers who had received John's baptism, a baptism of repentance, were now being introduced to the Holy Spirit baptism. As Paul laid hands on them, they received the baptism in the Holy Ghost and they spoke with other tongues and they prophesied. You know, uh, Ron, take take this. I'm going to finish. I'd like to just say today, you know, for anybody that probably isn't here but you're watching uh, on the uh, online streaming, God loves you and we bless you today and we ask that you will stop in again either online or come see us in person we certainly would love to have you we're going to pray this morning and uh i'd like to pray because you know sometimes those who are not here are not able to join us personally but we're going to extend our hearts lord we we thank you today that lord those who are connected with the the body of christ whether in person or at another site lord god we believe there's no 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 uh no limitations upon the Holy Spirit. That God dwells everywhere. He is everywhere He's invited. God is everywhere, but He dwells where He's invited. And we've invited you, Lord, into this place. And we invite you into the homes of those who are watching online. We pray for healing, Lord God, to flow into those places, Lord God, where there are people who need healing. Lord, from cancers, those who, Lord, are depressed, those who are fearful, those who are hurting in some way, those who are just struggling through life, couldn't make it here today, but they are watching. Holy Spirit of the living God flow from heaven into those homes. 
Lord, fill people with the Holy Ghost in their living rooms, in, in their bedrooms, wherever they might be. Just fill them to overflow with the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Now we like to just have a word of prayer as for everyone who's here. You know, uh, I've often said, and I mean this, I mean it sincerely. Uh, you know, at the end of whatever my journey looks like in this life, uh, you know, if God uh, has something for me that, that, that just involves being kind to people and loving people and praying with people, walking among them, you know, I'm perfectly good with that. I'm good with it. I don't need a title. I don't need anything. I don't need it. I want to serve the Lord because one day I'm going to stand before him and he's not going to say, hey, what was your title? What churches did you pastor? Where were you at? You know, there's going to, I want to live this thing outright. I want it to, when, when the time comes and it ends, I want it, I don't want it to end with any regret. I don't want to look back and say, you know, I, I, you know, God, I wish I had, uh, how many of you today say, God, I don't care what it is. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. God will take care of you. God will take care of you, amen? If he leads you somewhere, he calls you to something that the math doesn't figure, doesn't fit into your five or 10-year plans. Sometimes those five and 10-year plans can become jails. They're good to have, but they can also limit God because we have come to the place where we have a plan and we do what we think we need to do. And, you know, God says, hey, by the way, I want to do this. And, well, God, we've already planned this out. So, God, this morning we pray over this house that, Lord, that people will be full of the Holy Spirit. How many of you would dare say, God, I, I want to be baptized full and overflowing in the Holy Spirit. You just slip your hands up where you're at and say, I want to be filled. I want to be absolutely filled to overflow with the Holy Spirit, Lord, that I might, uh, and Lord, that my worship would just rise to another level, that my prayer life would become so powerful, Lord God, that the witness that I have would be bold and un- unapologetic and unafraid and yet very discerning and loving. Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we praise you, Lord Jesus. You're the focus of the church. It's not about a man. It's not about a thing. It's not about a building. It's about you, Lord Jesus, and we exalt you. And together, as they did on the day of Pentecost, we just worship our Father, believing that God may be standing ready to pour over the threshold of heaven a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit into your life, into my life. And I want to receive it. That's what I'm seeing in my mind, that God is standing there waiting to release over the balcony of heaven upon the church an outpouring. As he said, in the last days I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. How many say, I want, to be the, I want to be in the showers of God? 
I want to be a vessel that he can pour that outpouring into. I want to be filled. I want to have a prayer language that I can talk to the Lord in ways that I can't in other ways because I I have to always kind of figure out what I'm telling God and it's based upon what I see oftentimes, what I feel, what I hear, and the Holy Spirit knows what I need and sometimes just allowing the Spirit of God to take me through that prayer time is very comforting. If you don't know Jesus today, today's your day. You know, when I send a note to anybody, and I'm, I am closing, I'm landing the plane. Prime landing. I have that vision of me circling around, landing. But I, you know, I'm going to land it right where I need to. I want to ask you this morning. How many say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit as much for what it's going to do in the lives of those around me as it will for my personal benefit? How many say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way that it will affect those around me? You want want your loved ones to get a, a powerful witness of who Jesus is? You get filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to have discernment and see where the opportunities lie for you to step in as a Holy Spirit-filled believer. Receive him. Don't be afraid. God won't make a fool out of you. And those who look at you and think you're foolish, you know, that's just a compliment. If you're aligned with God and you're in the spirit of the living God, that's good. Lord, I pray that this will be foundational, that there will be those who, Lord, today accept Christ as Savior for the first time. Those who have been backslidden and gone away from God are coming back and saying, God, I want to recommit my heart and life to you. I want to surrender to you today, Lord. I want to give you my life again. I want want you to have that place of authority, that seat of compassion that, Lord, just is, is established in my heart, knowing God loves me. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our sin, Lord God, the things that, you know, and I believe God covers by His grace past, present, and future. But sometimes we're walking in sinful ways that we need to renounce and repent of and get away from. And Lord God, I want to renounce that garbage because it's not heaven's best. It's the refuge of the world, and I don't need that. And Lord, I want to receive the the Holy Spirit into my life. Come on, let's, church, I dare you. I dare you to say, God, I I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know exactly what that will, how that's going to play out for me and how I'll respond to it. But Lord, I want you to fill me with the Holy Ghost today, overflowing. Holy Spirit of the living God, fill us to overflow. Lord, awaken us to our need for it. Lord, and let us receive it It as a gift. It's not something we're coerced in, forced in, manipulated into. It's something that God has promised to give. Hallelujah. Well, I got to tell you, I'm going to say a prayer here and I'm going to close and uh, altars are always open. We don't close altars, you know, we don't close those because, you know, there, there, could, there, there could be someone up at this altar till four in the afternoon on their face before God. It's not closed. 
But as we close today, you know, I've known people over the course of years who would show you their membership pin in church or they would show you their card as a member of a church. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. I'm not hammering. But it's very important to them that I recognize that they have a card or a membership somewhere. I pray that our desire is that we'll have as much a desire for others to know that Jesus lives in us more so than any other thing they might know about us. Lord, bless this church. Send them out today. They're your children. You love them. You care for them. We are so incredibly blessed. We are so heavenly blessed and incredibly blessed that, Lord, we're snapping off any of those stupid restraints that the enemies tried to put on the church. Let us go out as ambassadors of love into every segment of our region and let us pray earnestly for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon this land. Amen. Tammy, you want to lead that? I'm, I'm, just sing whatever Tammy has here and then uh, we, we certainly... We look forward to seeing you here. It's five, and today there are those who are coming for intercessory prayer at 5 here at the church. We invite you to come if you'd like to join as part of the intercessory team. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.